Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native Podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? Deciding where to grow your money isn't difficult. Do what we did at the Not So Native Podcast and go with a local financial leader who has deep ties in your community. Credit Union West has been serving their neighbors since 1951, offering high-yield savings accounts, affordable loans, and by contributing to local charities you care about. Join today at www.cuwest.org or drop by one of their many local branches. They'll be glad to see you. That's a great way to get the show started. Pop a top. <laughs> hey, welcome back. It's Rob. It's Aaron. And we are here at the legendary Nash in Phoenix, Arizona. We're at First Street and Roosevelt. And we are sitting with Executive Director Joel Goldenthal. And he is going to share some of the wit and wisdom that he has. So, Joel, thank you for taking the time to meet with us. My we pleasure. appreciate that. My pleasure. So, Joel, native or not a native? Not of, so native. You're not so native. How long well, have you I, been in the I am, I'm from New York City, uh, and um, I went to college in North Dakota for four years, moved back to New York City. Uh, but during my senior year, I, was, I married a young lady who was from, uh, uh, whose parents retired in the area, so I got to check out Phoenix, Arizona, and decided after moving back to New York, that I wanted to live here, raise a family here. So I've been here since 1972. 1972? Wow. Yep. Almost classify you as native. Pretty well, yeah, five yeah, years yeah. as a native, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Grand Canyon? That, that, that'll be part of it. <laughs> well, most, mostly I saw the Grand Canyon before I moved here. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So tell us about... Uh, you said you went to, from New York to North Dakota. Was there some school in between? What did, what did you go to North Dakota for? To get away from New York. <laughs> That's probably... Yeah. As, and yeah. what year was this? this? This was in 1967. Oh, so population in North Dakota is like 10 in this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, this, this, I've got all kinds of stories about that. I had a, uh, I had a band in college that, that I started my first day there, and I had... Uh, I had half of the African-American population in my band of four, so. Oh, that's, <laughs> wow. And so jazz, uh, how did you settle on this art form, or did you, you know, how did it come to be? Well, I started noodling at the piano when I was four years old, and when I was seven, I took uh, book one lessons from an aunt of mine, and when I was nine, I got exposed to jazz. And I have this theory that you have a, some people have a, a jazz gene, and when mm -hmm. they get exposed, exposed to jazz, it gets activated. And that's what happened to me. I heard this music and I said, that's for me. And if you talk to almost anybody that's found their way into this art form, they've got a similar you know, epiphany moment where they were exposed to it and the music just resounded with them. So that's what happened to me. So I started listening to exclusively to jazz at the age of nine and playing jazz. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. 
So I feel to introduce my wife, Stephanie's in the room with us here. Steph, say hi. Hi. All right, and if you have a question, just chime in with, with whatever you might want to know. Every now and then they let me co-host. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have options. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. So how did you come to, so the Nash started in, what year? Well, the Nash started in 2012. So, uh, tell us a little bit of history of well, who was let me, give, let me give you the let me give you the history of the organization first oh, of all. Okay. We are an organization called Jazz in Arizona, which was founded in 1977. Oh wow! And uh, so, so we're 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 not we're not as new as we might appear. Uh, but what happened with as what happens with many nonprofits is the first five to ten years, you know, ran on pure, uh, you know, founder energy and passion. Uh, but over the years, it kind of organization kind of slowed down and, and what we realized we were not doing was attracting any young people. So in 2012, um, uh, at the suggestion of a gentleman named Herb Eli, who uh, is an attorney in town and also wrote the civil rights legislation for the, the state in 1963, oh, wow. wanted to start a jazz venue in downtown Phoenix to give young musicians a place to play and to build the audience for jazz. So. Uh, we opened, we created the Nash with a lot of input from student musicians and educators because if we didn't have their buy-in, there was no point in doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that evening, I, I had the, the the epiphany to uh, you know to name it after Lewis Nash and to involve him because Lewis uh, represents the educator, the musician, and the the role model values that that that, that we would strive to put out there. Not to mention, he gave us a leg up in connection with the industry. The first note played at the Nash was played by Wynton Marsalis. Oh, wow, really? Who drove pro bono from New York City to open the place for us, because Lewis texted him. I was right there. He said, hey, Wynton, how'd you like to come open my place? He said, I'll be there. So that, it gives you an idea. It gives you, that tells volumes right there. It tells you. Yeah, well, it, it gives you an idea of, of the, the esteem with which uh, Lewis Nash is, is, is regarded in the jazz world. And, and since opening, you know, he has, you know, his lent his guidance to, you know, to who we present here. And we have, we just started a program called uh, uh, Nash Beacons of Jazz, where we're honoring jazz legends who are still with us. Uh, we just had Benny Golson out, the guy that wrote Killer Joe. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, we had uh, Ron Carter out, uh, whose name in the, in the industry is the Beacon anyway, so it kind of got named after him. So anyway, that's kind of the, you know, the the underpinnings of, you know, of who we are and, uh, and, and, and why Lewis Nash is involved. Wow, that's great. That's wonderful. Okay, any questions you guys have? Gosh. <laughs> so we are we are uh, we are a uh, we have a dual mission here. We uh, first of all we present quality jazz. Uh, we present everything from emerging young musicians to the finest local players to regional and to world world renowned players. So they're all in the mix and on the performance side. Then on the education side, we we offer a variety of jazz education programs that are just not offered anyplace else in the valley. Mm. You know, for example, you know, high school kids they can join marching band if they're at a school that still has a music program, which is few and far between. Mm. They might have a 
a stage band, but there's nothing at the high school level where you know kids can learn about playing in small groups and combos and so mm -hmm. forth. Let's face it, if you're going to be a musician, you need to know that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not to mention, as a jazz musician, you need to learn improvisation, which you're just not going to learn in that setting. So this is the only place in Arizona where uh, high school kids can be uh, mentored by the finest college-level jazz musicians in the world. So that's what we do. We, we offer. So we're both an education and a performance venue. And you've been doing this for a long time, this bringing jazz and education together. That, that was the whole point of starting the jazz band in, in North Dakota. It's a, that's exactly right. I've kind of been doing the same thing all, all of my life. It's kind of well, you've just been perfecting it. Kind of, well, it's, <laughs> it certainly has come full circle, I'll, I'll tell you that. Wow. Um, One of the things that is my favorite part of jazz, because I probably think that I, I think that I live my life this way, is improvisation. How does how does what you do with jazz music? How has that affected your life? Well, first of all, let's let's explain to everybody that that uh, jazz improvisation is is improvisation is really what separates jazz from other genres of music. You know, when you go and hear a top forty band or a cover band or something. You expect them to play it the way you heard it on the record, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Otherwise, you think they made a mistake. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, with jazz, if you if if you go to a concert and they play it the way it was on the record, you want your money back. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because what what jazz musicians do is you know they they you know jazz has been called the the uh, the ultimate expression the musical expression of freedom. Uh, it, it's, mm. it's been said that uh, every a musician, a jazz musician, is an explorer because when he plays, he's, he's really exploring new territory. It's, it's what can I do different? What, how can I how can I approach this set of changes, the chord changes differently? So every time you hear a jazz musician play, you are you are rightfully hearing a, 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 a spontaneous in the moment interpretation uh, of the of the music. And that's what makes it very different. So, I mean, how's it affected my life? It's just, uh, well, for, for me, when I sit down at the piano and play, it's the only thing that exists, I can tell you that. Mm. I mean, I can, I can have had the worst day in creation and be aggravated about everything, and I sit down at the piano and it all goes away. You just become totally, totally lost in, in the music. In fact, this is an extreme, but when I started playing here, uh, and, and you could still smoke in, in clubs, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I had a, a, just a terrible allergy to cigarette smoke, and I'd walk in the joint, and, and, and I'd start sneezing my head off, and I'd sit down at the piano, start playing, and guess what? No more allergies, gone. Just, wow. So it's, it's, it's hard to believe, but it's just, it's to that degree that, that, that the music just transports you. Mm -hmm. So, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. I, as we we talked on the phone, I got exposed to, I really got. <clears throat> my dad was very eclectic in his musical choices. I mean, every everything from Waylon Jennings to, you know, um, uh, jazz performances, Thelonious Monk, and. And things like that, John Coltrane, John Coltrane and and uh, and so I got a little bit of exposure. But it was when I took his class at ASU West with a professor, uh, a working professor, or whatever they called him, 
uh, Jay Bush, who's a musician, a drummer, and uh, and he said, you either write a 10-page paper or you could go see five shows. I was like, I think I'll go see five shows. And, and that's where I got introduced to, like, Nancy Reed and and her crew and and just got really exposed to the, the, the volumes of jazz in the valley. Um, yeah, there was a lot going. There was a lot going on back then. Yeah, it's, and, but it's uh, it's harder to find now, unfortunately. But uh, that's you know, uh, I mean, this is the fifth largest city in the country, and the, the Nash is the only dedicated jazz venue. See, that's that's the thing that that kind of frustrates me. But I, I listen to K Jazz uh, at night just because I, I just and sure to listen to it and and. Um, <clears throat> Blaze Lantana does a great job hosting the show. She does, and uh, she's, she's. I mean, she's. She has such serious limitations there. I mean, she's got twenty hours a, w- a I week. Know. Yeah. So, not so and, you know, there's not enough time to fit no, all that. There isn't, and you know, there's a, there's a, there's a unfair criticism levied, you know, at the programming at some points. But the fact of the matter is, it's such a limited time frame. Yes. You know. What do you think of? Um, have you have you we we lost Coyote, K Y O T as a jazz music, music radio show at some point. I don't know. Well, what do you think about not having like first a regular? Of all, Coyote, Coyote was smooth jazz, and, mm. and 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 not to not to be uh, not to be critical of smooth oh, no. jazz. But smooth jazz is a marketing term. It's not even a genre of music. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, and it's it's uh, it, it's it's not what we it's not what we focus on here. We sure. we focus on uh, you know music that's that's uh, rooted in the traditions of jazz, uh, and and where it's being performed by actual musicians and not uh, you know mm-hmm. not. Loops of drum tracks and stuff. Well, like see, that. that's what I was going to say. So it's it's a, it's a, it's 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 a different. It's 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 very different, and you know, quite frankly, the reason it's not here anymore is because it's really lost its it's, it's lost its legs. It's lost its appeal. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts of like figuring out a way to maybe inspire someone to start another show or get Kate something similar to what we get from NPR on a regular basis? Well, I mean, there's twenty four seven. You know, there's there's people that do uh, podcasts, and there's uh, there's any and there's and, and there are you know there's uh, op- many options on satellite. To, yeah. Rate, you know that kind of yeah, thing. You're right. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, appeal is dictated by the almighty dollar, mm. and and it, no, you can't come up with a proposition to you know to bring any of these things back unless the money's going to. You know, follow on the basis of support. So, you know, I would love to be optimistic and say I think we're going to build such a strong jazz fan base here that that's going to support a radio station. But uh, I don't take those kinds of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think it's maybe something unique to the city? So, well, you mentioned you know, there is Phoenix. nothing unique to the city. The, the everything we experience here is is being felt in every city in the country. Yeah, okay. You know, there are cities that 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 have a leg up on us uh, that are, you know, 200 plus years old, like, you know, New York's, I mean, New York City jazz is not gonna go away and it's right. not gonna become a pay for play music like it has already in even cities like Los Angeles, 
you, you believe how many clubs you know pay next to nothing or where the musicians actually pay to play there mm. so uh, uh, but you, you have cities like you know New York and Chicago you know that that are you know still jazz meccas and and, and, and where they where they have a critical mass in the population plus all the people that visit and you know and, and, and come there as a destination for the music so it's, it's very different but but there's nothing happening here that's any different. I mean, uh, I think this country is, you know, culturally bankrupt in many regards mm -hmm. altogether, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just that there's there's a, a, a disinterest in live music. There's, you know, there's, and what do you blame it on? There's any number of factors, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the economy, and the it's certainly the proliferation of, of, of. Uh, you know devices that put the total control of, of your of all your experiences but entertainment music experience in the you know in the palm of your hand now you can hear exactly what you want you know you don't have to buy an album anymore and pick mm. out the track you like you know it's just but know. there's such a huge difference in hearing and experiencing it live well there's no question about it and that's that i mean that's the thing if if you know in a perfect world if we could line people up and parade them through this place it's just amazing yeah. yes it's just amazing uh how how the experience of being you know in a live music venue with this with this you know heartfelt music going on this mm -hmm. passion that exudes from the stage uh, you know, people don't. You, you, the people that say they don't like jazz, chances are they've either number one never even heard it, number two uh, have a misconception about what it is. They think that you know what they heard on Coyote is jazz. Uh, you know, Kenny G is, is you know is not jazz. I mean, Kenny G to me is the musical equivalent of waterboarding. Waterboarding. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Well, uh, and, and, you know, so a friend of mine is, was in the Christian rock genre, and he would talk about how they couldn't, you know, like, when you listen to some of, like, Led Zeppelin's music from the 70s, you had this, you know, four or five minute just intro before any kind of vocals came into it. It was all yeah. instruments and things. But he says, yeah, if you don't start singing within the first 30 seconds to a minute, he says it's like a canned program. And and I, I that is not jazz. Jazz no. is not canned, A. And B, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a, a completely different experience, right. I think. It is. But, but again, people that people that come here and get exposed to it, that, that, you know, not everybody, I'm not going to, not going to, be false about that, but but any number, you know, majority of people become riveted with what they hear. Yes. I was going to say, tell us tell us about the 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 venue. So people who are we get a lot of people listening from Germany, believe it or not, and uh, and some other places uh, out and out and around that, that are starting to come to Arizona and, and venture here. So tell us about the Nash. Uh, about the venue and, and so the Nash, what to expect. The, the, the Nash is reminiscent of other uh, you know, iconic jazz venues in the country, like the Village Vanguard and the Blue Note mm -hmm. in New York. They're, oh. they're small, they're intimate. I mean, we seat, we seat uh, 126 people, push it up to maybe 139, 140. That's it. So there's nobody more than you know 40 feet from the from the stage, and 
And and you you're, you're part of the show. I mean, you're part of the you're you're part of the energy that the, the the you know the 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 musicians put themselves out there and 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 the audience responds and it becomes a almost a conversation with the audience. Uh, I like so the, that. So the so the energy is you know there's a there's a very strong energy in in the room, and you, you can't you can't help but get in, in, engaged by. And, and I must I must say that even the difference between that like going seeing an artist in a in, a, in an arena performance mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. I had the experience of seeing uh, Cecile McLaurin Savant who won, she's she's now probably twenty eight or twenty nine. She her first two albums won Grammys. Wow. And we we had her here. <laughs> on her ascent and I went to see her a couple of years later at the Monterey Jazz Festival in an arena and I walked I it was like I, just no connection yeah. you know you just don't, don't have that yeah. same you know that that same connection with the artist and with the music so I mean you know forget about it being jazz or anything from it let's just let's just start with a, a good night out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a date night. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is an experience that's worth worth having. And and because we, you know, we maintain the quality, it doesn't matter whether you come in at night when you've got Ron Carter or Benny Golson on stage, or whether you have Giannis uh, Gadalis who played last night, uh, played did a uh, you know a pops uh, jazz pop show that was just, oh. I mean. So it, it so you can always count on it being a, you know a, a quality experience and you know at the beginning of every show we get up and ask how many people are here for the first time and we always have minimally twenty percent sometimes forty fifty percent new so you know that's the good news because you know until we had the Nash you know it was uh, how many people are here that are still alive. You know? <laughs> I can attest to what you're saying because every time we've been here for different reasons, we've come for jam sessions, we came for, um, a friend of ours is a jazz pianist and he plays with Desert City Jazz. Oh yeah. So when their group was here, we came. Every time we've been here, it has been just the most wonderful experience and yes, what you're saying about the conversation with the audience, I mean, you feel like you are literally a part of the show. And being a musician, I absolutely just get lost in that, and I love that conversation. How much do I owe you? <laughs> but another an thing, unpaid testimonial. Right. Yeah. An, another thing that I really love about the Nash, other than the music and the environment, is that it's it's fr family friendly. I mean, we can bring our kids in. It we, is, we and that's by, that. that's by design too. I mean, we really want to expose. We have we have a program here called Hot Dogs and Jazz, which we do one Saturday a month on this, uh, eleven o'clock in the morning, and it's 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 geared toward elementary school kids and and, and their and their families, and we give them an hour long program that's you know we keep it light, we keep it fun, but we expose them to different eras of 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 of, of jazz, and and we. We base it around tunes that they can recognize, and we get them moving. We get them interacting, and and they just have a, they just have a blast. Uh, and it, again, it's about exposing them to this music so that you know that it might initiate a path into the music as a, as, a, as an interest in the music as in a, being a musician or an educator or just or or just a fan. Because I mean, after all, if we don't. You know, if, if we didn't have fans, then they'd all just be rehearsals. You know? <laughs> exactly. I, I'm I'm the fan. She's the musician. <laughs> I yeah yeah I. 
So I've played flute most of my life, and I've always wanted to play flute in jazz. And I've heard some really great flutists in jazz. I know that you do workshops here, so tell me a little bit about how someone like me could learn how to play my instrument in jazz. Well, we we have a a robust uh, set of uh, workshop programs in the summer. Uh, and they focus on different areas of jazz and improvisation. Uh, to get you know specific knowledge of your instrument, you'd probably be better off with you know private or group lessons on area, which is which is not really uh, in in the scope of our mission right now. But even if you're just a beginner and you have some experience, you might join some kind of a, a summer combo that teaches the basic the basics of, of improvisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have throughout the year, we have a, a number of different level uh, workshop programs. We have a Jazz Futures program, which is an entry level uh, that meets once a week, and then we have a kind of an intermediary one. And, and then we have the, the two uh, juried, uh, auditioned uh, workshops or, or legacy ensemble programs that are coached by the uh, two top uh, college educators of the state. Um, we have a, then we have a vocal ensemble, which is really... I was going to ask about vocals. Yeah. And th- this, is, this, this is one of my favorite stories to tell about the Nash, because, you know, we went from an organization as Jazz in Arizona, you know, we were doing like 12 monthly parties where we, our members came and we put on a show for them, and then we had about eight concerts at the Care Cultural Center, and that's pretty much what we did. Well, now we do 300 concerts a year. Uh, Rockin'. And, and, and probably 100 educational programs. And I honestly never knocked on a single door and said, how would you like to do this here? Uh, everything came to us because it just, there's obviously a void in, in, in the market. And what made, makes the Nash work here is that the, the, the Valley had all these rich jazz assets that were all in their mm-hmm. silos and <coughs> no place yep. for them to come together. I mean, the community colleges, most of them have great jazz programs. Mm -hmm. Then you have ASU and the U of A and and NAU. Everybody does their season performances here rather than doing in the ivory tower. You know, they want to do it in the the real jazz club in the city. And and that has not only... that has not given them a place to play, but it's it's caused this cross pollination. You know, so you'll have you'll have an educator uh, from ASU who's hearing this kid that's coming in from 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 Glendale or from Gilbert Chandler, and and so, and they get they get together. So I mean, you got all this 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 synergy going on mm-hmm. that, that's, that was created by this environment. But the vocal jazz, uh, this uh, educator at uh, an administrator at uh, the. Uh, Tempe School for Arts and Academics called me up one day and said, hey, she says, there's no vocal jazz ensemble program. She says, I think the market could could use it. Mm-hmm. I said, well, put together a proposal for me. And she put together an idea about when they meet and what the repertoire might be and how many they'd have to have to make it work and, and so forth and so on, what the business model would be. So she said it would take 14 uh, to make it work. So we auditioned, we didn't get 14. We got 28. <laughs> so we kicked that off with two, with two vocal jazz ensembles. So that's just kind of the way the Nash has been. It's just been, it's a constant, you know, influx of, of, of ideas. Obviously, you're filling a void. Uh, and, and I just said, somebody said to me something, you know, uh, uh, last, uh, 
a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a, a revered musician in the, in the community passed away, and, they, and I was approached by some other musicians said, hey, we'd like to do a celebration of life. Could we do it at the Nash? I said, absolutely. So and somebody said to me, you know, really appreciate, you know, the fact that you're open to doing this and so forth. Uh, and, and also the fact that you always seem to say yes. And, and I, that is absolutely, I, I can count on probably two fingers the number of times I've, I've said no, you know, in, in, in seven years. Because there's all these great ideas and this great energy uh, and, and this is just given a place for you know for it to all unfold. It, it's 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 amazing. It's just uh, it, it's been the most exhilarating, you know. And I mean, I was depressed about the direction that I want. I don't want I, you know. I would never say jazz is dying or any of that kind of thing. But it, jazz definitely needs the, the you know this kind of, uh, of yeah. you know environment to you know to make it to help it flourish. So. Make sure it's the go. So how, how do we did the location on Roosevelt Row? Was that, I mean, obviously the kind of the art district, more or less of the city? Quote, well, quote. you know, there were two, there were two options that were kind of considered. One was to to do it in Tempe, close to you know ASU, and where historically there had been, you know, uh, there had been a lot of jazz student activity, and the other was, you know, to to try to catch Phoenix on its on its rise this time. It's funny because I've been here, as I told you, uh, you know, since the since the early '70s, and this was like probably the fourth or fifth time that that the downtown area of Phoenix, you know, tried to tried to develop. Mm -hmm. And we got in this time. We wanted to be, we wanted it to be in Phoenix. There were people that felt very strongly that this needed to be based in Phoenix, and we wanted to be on light rail. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to be near the ASU downtown campus. And so a lot of factors just, you know, pointed to this area. And, you know, it was, you know, relatively, it was dirt lots seven years ago, and now it's the most expensive, you know, property. We are, the building that we're in was bought by a, a developer that's going to be developing this entire square mile area in, in, into to mixed use with a heavy, uh, uh, you know, heavy commitment to the arts, fortunately. Oh, cool. So, I mean, you won't even recognize this area in a year from now. So, and, and already this intersection right out here, I think Third Street and Roosevelt is the, the busiest intersection in the state. So, uh, you know, we we got we got here certainly at the right time. I wish we had bought, been in a position to buy the building then, because you know what's happened with you know with. Property values and with 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 uh, lease rates has just gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you envision staying here? Or? We definitely want to stay here. Okay. I mean, we're you know we're we're committed to staying here. Mm -hmm. So, we're also committed to finding an angel who's going to help us do that. So, yeah. if you're yeah. if you're out there in podcast land and uh, <laughs> well, well, you know that, that it's a, that's a great segue to to my next question. I was going to ask. You said that the Nash is a 501c3. You said, you know, it's rooted in jazz and AZ. Is that the, the 501c3? Jazz in Arizona. Jazz in Arizona right. is the name of the 501c3. Correct. So if and we're somebody, doing business as a Nash, so we're, right. we are one entity. I mean, you can write a check to the Nash or to Jazz in Arizona, and it's... And where would they people. send that check? <laughs> Well, I can send we, it to shameless. It's okay. Well, I can send it to me personally, or they can, <laughs> or they can send it to uh, the Nash, which is at one ten East Roosevelt Street, Suite one ten, 
Phoenix, Arizona, 85004. Okay. And if people wanted to get, like, you know... There's also, you can go online. Uh, you can, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, our, our website is, is thenash.org. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you can buy tickets to all shows are there. You can buy tickets to shows. You can, uh, you can become a sustaining member, which you can do for as little as $10 a month. To, you know, and sustaining membership is so important because we're really a grassroots organization. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, people that, people that, you know, give even as little as $10 a month they make a huge difference in, in, in the ability to sustain the organization. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful, wonderful spot here in downtown Phoenix. Uh, like you said, it's right off of the light rail. Right off so the light you rail, can, yep. You catch all kinds of different venues in in Phoenix. And, and, and it's, uh, a great, it's a great place to go for an evening out. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. going to be more and more so within the next year because there's just going to be dozens of new, you know, restaurants and, and uh and, and, and craft beer and, and wine and you just it's unbelievable how much stuff's going to be down here in in season three and here. walkable too oh yeah see that's and that's the important part uh, especially in in the downtown area I mean I wouldn't want to um, have to drive around a lot especially with all the breweries and restaurants yeah, yeah. Well, that's a side question I was going to ask um, some people might not realize so I know that you guys sell snacks and beer and wine here right. uh, do you allow people to bring food in from outside or do you discourage that you know we we really haven't had a firm policy we started out with welcoming people to do it but you know it's and it's it at some events, it's fine. You want to bring food into a jam session or something, but if yeah. if you have 140 people in yeah, here to difficult. see, you know, a concert, you don't want somebody unpacking a meal at your, <laughs> <laughs> at, your at your table. Exactly. So I'm not KFC. Yeah. Or like. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I, I, you know, I'd say there's some discretion involved, sure. we're, and we're, we're not BYOB. Unfortunately, there's still an, an occasional listing out there in social media land that uh, that says that you can bring your own bottle in. But the, we, the first the first two and a half years of operation, or three years, we that was the kind of uh, oh, okay. of, of uh, license or exemption we had. Then we actually had to have an entertainment district declared so that we could get a beer and wine license here. Oh, okay. Because we are within 300 feet of a church. Uh, uh. And if you're within 300 feet of a church or a school, you cannot be a bar. Uh, you, you can be a restaurant. Right. That's a different license to do that. So, Interesting. If you ever listened to our podcast, we did an episode with Saddle Mountain Brewing. And they've got a beer called 300 Foot Steve. Because of this law. Oh, for God's sake, really, yes. <laughs> That's funny. That is wild. All right. Were, were well, they, uh, are they based up, up in Prescott or something? No, they're out in Goodyear. Oh, they're in Goodyear. It's called Saddle Mountain Brewing. It's out on Roosevelt, just on the farther end of Roosevelt. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Definitely not a light rail stop, but it's not far from the town. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it'd, be, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be fun to have their beer here just for the legend of it. Oh, well, I will, I will let, I will let Laura know. <laughs> yeah. They just won a big award at the Southwest Valley Chamber of Commerce. Oh, really? Yep. And so I'll, uh, I'll definitely yeah. I'll let Laura know to, to talk to you. Yeah, we, it's neat we, to hook up local businesses. I, I love doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we like to, have, you know, we love that products that have local connections. We have, we have a, a, a beer that we serve here called Brother Thelonious. Oh, oh yeah. there you go. A little shout there out to Thelonious Monk. Exactly. 
Exactly. Nice. Very good. Well, we certainly appreciate you uh, talking with us. Uh, one other quick question, if we could. If I come to the Nash, I'm from out of town. I listened to this podcast. I accidentally stumbled on it. I don't know. Uh, what should I expect if I come? And, and are you open every night of the week? Or are you open Monday through well, Friday? Well, I mean, how's it work? We have we have uh, shows every Friday and Saturday night. We have a jam session every Sunday uh, evening. We have matinees most Sunday afternoons at three o'clock. Uh, the rest of the week, uh, you know, fills in with uh, big band concerts, uh, student recitals, uh, opportunity presentations of traveling groups, any num any number of any number of things. So, so you should just so check the, the, the website. The, the thing to do is definitely check the website. Uh, so essentially, you have jazz here pretty much every single day of the week. Pretty much. That's wonderful. That's yeah, pretty, pretty rad, much. Man. It's it's it, it's. It's amazing. I mean, even when we open it up, you know, I'll never forget talking about this at the board meeting and, and finally said, we're, we're going to do this. And one of my board members who uh, at the time was, uh, he was a, a, a teaching assistant uh, at, at ASU, but he kind of designated as a liaison because of his uh, relationship with the educators and, and with the students and so forth. And he referred to this as a grand experiment because we really did not know. And I can tell you that I had any number of people tell me that I was crazy as the, as the lead advocate for this thing because so many jazz you know, clubs have, you know, have opened up with the best intent and, and been gone. But, um, you know, and this, I, I have a friend who's, who, who's been on me about, you really need to, just stop focusing on this. You need to go out and consult to others to tell them how to do this. And I said, well, the first thing I would have to tell them is, you know, is tear up what you're doing because everything you're doing is, is wrong. I mean, we're <laughs> successful because we are totally different. We were, we were built from the ground up with the intent of doing exactly what we're doing. Sure. Everybody else retrofitted the jazz into mm. it, and it's a whole different thing. I mean, mm. they, they pulled out a booth. They, you know, they... Uh, you know, they're still you know they're still beholden to the uh, to the cash register. I mean, they've got blenders and they've got. I mean, there's any. I mean, it's just all wrong. You know, they're in the wrong place. You know, with the wrong business model for it to ever work. So and they might not be improvising enough. And not be, you know, I would love to see somebody else do this. I would love to find some other markets in the country that have, you know, as I said, the kind of rich jazz assets just sitting there waiting to be, you know, brought together. Mm. You know. Well, thank you very much for spending the time with My us. My pleasure. Thank you. We have uh, really enjoyed getting to learn more about you and the history of the Nash. And Come down and get 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 some of those shows into your, into your ears, and uh, you'll you'll become. And I'm, also, we, we have over a we have a, over a hundred volunteers, and it's like one big happy family. They could not the volunteers. They really run the asylum, is what I tell everybody. <laughs> I mean, because there's only. There's only like three of us that are that are hired in this place, you know. So you know, there's no way we do 300 shows and 100 educational programs, you know. So it's 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 the volunteers, but the, you know, the the commitment and the, the joy that that that, that the, the volunteers uh, have as a family is just unbelievable. So there's all kinds of ways to get involved. I mean, you you'll get hooked. And you have a show tonight. We We're do. We're gonna go see a matinee, right? Yep, yep. Alice Tatum, who is one of the 
best known names in the in, in the uh, in the community. She's been performing here since the doesn't look like it, but she's been performing here since the seventies as well. Wow! And, uh, yeah, she's just she's just. She's just amazing. She's had a lot of national exposure too. She's a really fine vocalist. Maybe we'll get a snippet of her on the That'd be on great. the podcast. That would be, be great. awesome. <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much again for spending the time with us. You bet. My we've pleasure. we've enjoyed having you on the Not So Native podcast, and I'd call you a native. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great day, everybody. tired of being stuck doing your own payroll and bookkeeping? Do you want more free time? Call Mary and her team at MLR Pro Tax and Accounting, 623-505-7141. They can help. MLR Pro Tax and Accounting provides year-round payroll and bookkeeping services to make tax time a breeze. Call Mary today so you can get out and explore more. 623-505-7141. Native Podcast. We're here with Alice Tatum and Nicole Pesci. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, yes we're we're recording live now, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're well, we're not live. We're we're on, on audio, but nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so we're the Not So Native Podcast. So the first question we ask is native or not so native? Um, I'm very native. I've been here since I was two. I'm from Washington, DC, and my mother headed west. When I was about two. Nice. And, and I've been here ever since. Awesome. And Nicole? Native. Native, Native as well? Born and raised in Arizona. Yes. Wow. Yes. Where what? from? Mesa. Mesa, Mesa, Arizona. And I'm yeah. from Mesa, too. Ah, see? Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. I'm a native. I'm uh, west side of town. Born and raised in Peoria. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's a not-so, so he's not... I'm not-so I'm not so native. My dad was a sailor, so we wandered around. Yes. So, but mostly in San Diego, so... The Phoenix uh, is your vacation. mother named Brandy? No, no. no. Brandy, it's a sailor song. Uh, uh, Looking no. oh, there you go. There you go. Uh-huh. No, uh, uh, my mom's name is Pat, so she went from being a lion's to a lamb. So how does that work out? Oh I don't my know. gosh, so yeah. there is some poetry to it. <laughs> there is some poetry. So how long have you been playing instruments? I'll start with uh, Nicole. Nicole, how long have you been doing this this piano gig? She just, by the way, uh, I didn't get any of it on recording, but it's an amazing, amazing number that just just transpired. You, you, if you weren't here at the Nash, you missed it. I should have warned you. I should have told you ahead of time I was going to have her do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> next know. time. Oh, that was beautiful, but, beautiful. But, yeah, I started playing when I was seven years old, and my dad played. He toured with Liberace, so I had wow. music Your dad toured with Liberace. Yes, yeah. So he had just gotten back from that, and uh, Liberace played Radio City Music Hall, and, and I 
kind of saw all of this music growing up in it, all these different people playing that, that he was working with, and I decided I wanted to do it. So, so I've been playing since seven. Um, I was really lucky to have a long-time gig at the Ritz-Carlton when it was a Ritz in Phoenix hmm. here. Oh, did your dad there. teach you? Yeah, no, I did study primarily with him, and then uh, a lot of just trial and error after that, working with a lot of great bands and a lot of great musicians. Your dad taught uh, Liberace all the flamboyancy, right? Oh, no, no he didn't. <laughs> not, not quite, but uh, he, was, he was a wonderful, wonderful teacher and musician. Wow. He studied with Lenny Tristano, and he studied with Laura Fate, who was uh, kind of a uh, down-the-road disciple of uh, Rubenstein, the classical Pianist, so. Really? So, Holy yeah, cow! She's yeah. got she's got some lineage. Yes. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it was wonderful. And and you you mentioned that you started your musical career as a USO on a USO well, tour. Tell like, me more about that. Like Nicole, my father, uh, who didn't raise me, uh, was the singer in the army band. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, a little bit different. Okay. But um, no, uh, I, I'm the daughter of a professional singer as well. But um, I. I was, wasn't into it at all. I was more into sports, and then mm. I accidentally went to an audition with my girlfriend for a USO tour, and, and I got the audition, and that's, that's all she wrote. Uh, and that was just a few years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yes, the Vietnam War. Holy cow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. What, how did you get into jazz? Oh, because I can't even remember not loving it, because um, I didn't think of it as jazz so much, but my mom would play records, and she would play the Broadway musicals, but she played like Ella Fitzgerald and mm -hmm. and Frank Sinatra wasn't her, you know, victim moan. And where I heard the tunes and the tunes just and then I heard Nancy Wilson, and I was thinking, man, you know, I love that. I just was drawn drawn to that type of music, and and I went on a rock and roll tour when I was at 21, rock opera Tommy. Mm. And I went to Canada and so forth. But then someone said, sing Summertime. And when I sang Summertime, I just felt at home. Summertime like the... Yeah, you, for, you sing it. For, uh, for best, but I do it like 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 the opera or the oh. Broadway musical. And then I go into a jazz. Oh, nice. Time. Okay. But, I mean, when I sang that, I remember it was in Peoria, Illinois, on a rock and roll tour. And I just went, this is, this is me, <laughs> you know. Wow. So maybe I was 22. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's great to be able to have taken something that wasn't necessarily your passion and find a passion in it. Oh my gosh. And then, and then, and then run with that for a long time. Yeah, because when I sang it, what I, I noticed the difference, and I think that's with Nicole too, she doesn't know it because I watch her so much, but she's probably the same way when, when you're into the song, you don't even know you're there. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. That's you right. I mean? yeah. Yes. It's kind of a zen place. Right. And when you're working at something and looking at the lyrics and trying to think of the form, you're, you know, it's a job. But when right. you close your eyes and then you went, oh, the song's over. Uh-huh. And I go, that's, that's, where I like. oh, that's where I like to be. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's a great place to be. You forget, you know, and then I you know, wake up at like, the end of the song. And you're like, okay, okay. now what's, what's our list next what's to do? What's next? Right. It's <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. Do we have to get you guys back? Do you guys? Probably. I think okay. that's oh, That was your call there. Well, All right. well hey, thank you so much for your Thank time you there. for sharing your time with us. We'll... Thank you for joining us here at the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time.